0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Again, good morning. Let me ask a question. Where were you when? Where were you when? When? Every generation has that where were you when question or moment. For instance, where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when JFK or Martin Luther King Jr., you found out that they had been shot and killed? Where were you then? Where were you when you heard about Columbine? Or where were you when 9-11 took place? See, every generation has its where were you when moments. In fact, some of those that I mentioned, some of you weren't even around then. You said, where were you when? I wasn't even born yet. But others of you remember exactly what had happened in that moment. You see, today, we all have a new one that we can share. Where were you when the coronavirus became real? Where were you when you first heard about these shutdowns and and, and those kinds of things? See, moments like these are big, Moments like these change things. There's no going back. We have culture shifts that take place and our lives are never the same. Unfortunately, many of these happen not because of something positive that has happened, but oftentimes it comes because of a tragedy or a catastrophe or an event. And they strike with no warning and they introduce a sense to us of uncertainty, a new sense of uncertainty in our lives. Is this sounding familiar to anyone? We've experienced these things in our lives. So welcome to 2020. In fact, I don't know about you, but I can say what a year we've had, right? What a year. As we take a look back, what a year we've had. Probably been filled with some of the most uncertainties, at least in my lifetime. I'm not sure about yours, but some of the most uncertainties that have taken place in this one year something straight out of a a sci-fi novel, I think. You know, you could probably write a sci-fi novel based on all the things that have happened. I mean, consider it. 2020, for example, has included uh, a global pandemic, an economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, record wildfires, tornadoes, and an extra powerful hurricanes and floods. Did I miss anything? All of this in 2000. Listen, I'm not trying to bring us down. Actually, it's quite the opposite. I want to encourage you today and bring you hope today. Because this is a reality that we've been living in. It has been a tough year. It has been a a difficult and challenging year. And I don't know about you, but I've seen it. Many people started decorating early. Why? Because we need a little bit of Christmas, right? We need a little bit of Christmas. Christmas is one of those things that that brings joy. Christmas is one of those things that brings hope. I've seen people decorate earlier than ever. Why? Because they were thinking, man, I just need a little bit of something. I need a little bit of Christmas. I need a little bit of something in my life. And you know, that is very interesting because when we think about Christmas, at least for us as believers, when we think about what's considered the season of Advent, it is a season of hope. It's a, a season of life. It's a season of a hope-filled celebration as we look forward to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, back in that day, there were people that were looking forward and waiting His coming, His first coming. And today, as the believers and as the church, we are looking forward to His second coming. Amen? We're looking forward to it. (laughs) See, Advent is a celebration of hope fulfilled because it looks back at a time when, when people were hopeful, when people were fearful, when people were waiting themselves for the coming of Christ's kingdom. And today, we look forward to the time when Jesus is going to return in His kingdom. Advent is active. It's assured. It's a hopeful time of waiting, But far too often, Christmases have been frenzied, they've been busy, they've been hurried in so many different ways. So many times, Christmas has been something that we haven't stopped back to reflect on some things. And many times, stores start pushing their Christmas decor and merchandise all the way back in October, <laughs> sometimes even earlier than that. And although we didn't have the typical Black Friday type shopping, I'm not sure that was all bad as you got a chance maybe to spend a little bit more time at home with the ones you love. You see, our season oftentimes of peace is quickly overloaded with a season of holiday stress and holiday anxiety. But you see, Advent, the time of Christmas, the time when we look at, at Christ and, 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 and His birth is an opportunity to set all of that aside. Advent's a time where we begin to prepare our hearts to help us focus on something of a far greater story, a far greater story, God's redeeming love for the world. How many know that God loves us? Amen. It's not a season of pretending to be happy and covering up sadness or covering up the stress or the hardships we've experienced over this past year or in the past. Rather, it's an opportunity to take what we've experienced in terms of the pain and the hardship and dig deep into the hope that Christ offers you and I. It's a season in which God had sent His only Son, Jesus, into the world, Emmanuel, which means god with us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation. It's a season of preparation. And it's more than just a hectic season of presence, isn't it? So wherever you are on your level of anxiety for 2020 today, I want to encourage you and over the next several weeks, we want to encourage you with hope because I think it's the best time, the greatest time ever for us to pause for a moment in the midst of the crazy and the hardships and the challenges of 2020 and to step back and rediscover Christmas. Rediscover what Christmas is all about. So that's what we've called this series. We've called this series Rediscover Christmas. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be exploring the, the different themes of Advent. Advent, uh, oftentimes you get the Advent wreath with the candles, and, the, and they, it, they, they all represent a, a different portion of Advent. And so we're going to take that a different way. We're going to rediscover Christmas, and each week we're going to look at one of the themes of Advent, and we're going to look at the stories of Christmas, and we're going to encourage, hopefully you'll be encouraged through this as you begin to see hope and peace and joy and love, as you rediscover the hope of what Christmas is all about, even when we're surrounded by such uncertainty. So as we explore these themes of Advent, we're going to see how they relate and exemplify through different characters in the Bible. We're going to look at different characters within what we call the Christmas story. The Christmas story in the Bible, the biblical Christmas story has different narratives and different characters. And as we explore these themes, we're going to begin to develop and see what it was like for these characters as they were waiting during that first Advent season, as they were preparing themselves for the coming of what God was going to do by By bringing his son Jesus, you know you think it's bad today. But as I've shared before, the day in which Israel was was living, the day in which Jesus would enter into the scene was also a pretty chaotic and hectic time for the Israelites. In fact, those who lived back then might be uh, considered they might consider their time to be a very difficult season that would that would kind of rally what we're experiencing today. That would kind of to rub up against that today. In fact, much of the Roman Empire uh, had defeated the rest of the world, and many nations were living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Israel was one of those. It was a harsh day to live in of conquest and brutality. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the the promises that God had made, thousands of years that had had followed, hundreds of years that had followed as enemies began to attack the Assyrians and the Babylonians came, and, and they took the Israelites' captive, and then they released a remnant back in, but they never truly had their own way. They are always living under the realm or under the the occupation of another another empire, the Greek empire, the Roman empire, generations upon generations that uh, there was a formation of God's covenant with humanity promising that a Messiah would come in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the uncertainty, that one day a Messiah would come and He He would set all things straight. He would make it right. He would bless humanity. He would restore all the humanity had messed up when it came to God's perfect creation. You see, the fulfillment of God's coming and the coming of the Messiah was something that wouldn't just make everything right or just a happy idea that drifted in and out of the consciousness and the culture of that day. It was a deep hope that had sustained many, that had encouraged many, that they hung on to and they waited on that covenant promise because they said, God, we believe that you're going to fulfill this and many of them believe, is it going to happen in my day? Now, I've grown up in the church, i got to be honest with you. I've grown up in the church, and, and, uh, and I've been waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. As I've grown up, oftentimes it's been taught over and over. I read the Left Behind series. I saw that, that uh, wonderful, scary 1970s, I think it was 1970s video called Thief in the Night. Anybody remember that one? And for some reason, our pastor used to always want to play that and have us watch that on New Year's Eve. So I remember times waking up and, and, you know, at my house or being a little kid and I couldn't find my mom and I thought, uh-oh, did, did God take her and I'm left behind in the house all by my, am I the only one who ever grew up in the church feeling like that? You know, I've, I've had those feelings, you know, had those, and that sense of Jesus coming and I, and I kind of believe that in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty, certainly this year has brought about a whole lot of ideas of, of Jesus. You gotta be coming soon. Jesus, you gotta be coming soon. Come on, in the midst of all of this, and in the midst of all of the things that were going on in that world, there was a sense of hope that God was going to fulfill the covenant promises that he had made with Israel. And those covenant promises, again, spurred on especially thousands and thousands of years of an uncertain waiting. In fact, they clung. And we say, what are the promises? The promise to Abraham in Genesis twelve three: all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. But that was not the reality. In fact, the reality was more like a, "How long, God? How long are you going to wait?" Anybody said that this year? "God, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait? How long can we survive under these, these things? And in those day and age, how long can we, can we survive under the Greeks and under the Romans empires? How long can we have our culture being influenced by their culture? How long are you going to wait? Was there any reason to hope that things would change? The answer is yes, there is hope. There is hope, and that's where we're going to pick it up today. Luke's narrative in the birth of Jesus, we're actually going to pick up probably in a place that many people try to, to end with, but we're going to actually pick up the story there at that point. In fact, many people end the Christmas story with Mary and, 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 and Joseph and the baby Jesus. They're in the manger there, and the shepherds come, and they visit them, and they come in from the flocks by night. They had had angels appear to them and they found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and they, they bowed down and they were. Then they gave praise and glory. They were the first witnesses. Some people end the story right there. Others include the magi into that because it makes a nice little Christmas, you know, pageant wrap-up. You know, would wrap up the Christmas story, bring everybody together. Everybody's on stage. It's all nice. Roll the credits and we're out of here. But that's not where the story of Christmas ends. In fact, what we're going to look at is in Luke's story, the Christmas doesn't end with the shepherds depart, but rather uh, what we're going to see is, is fulfilling the law of Moses. Mary and Joseph then eight days later begin to take Jesus into Jerusalem, into the temple in Jerusalem. And there they begin to enter in to what's called the purification. It's a time in which they will give Jesus his name. It's a time in which they, they will offer sacrifices according to the Old Testament law. And so they go into the, in, into the temple and they're offering these sacrifices and making these offerings a time of purification according to the law of Moses. And when they do, they experience Two different encounters, two different people that they encounter, and that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. And it says this: when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That is written, the law of the Lord: every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So this was a dedication. They were basically dedicating Jesus unto the Lord, they were following the laws of consecration and the laws of giving of the firstborn back to God. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to offer a sacrifice in keeping what it is said to the law of the Lord. And this is critical a pair of doves or two young pigeons. You see, they were poor. Jesus was not born into a wealthy home where they could offer a lamb or a sacrifice that way. What they were offering is those who could not afford those other sacrifices were offering a pair of doves and two young pigeons. And it says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That was pointing to when Mary would see Jesus on the cross. That was pointing to the cross. It's forward-looking to what Jesus the Messiah would do. And then second character, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and prayer. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What do we see here? What we see is Simeon and Anna are sparks of hope. There are sparks of hope for Israel. There are sparks of hope for God's people who had been waiting. There are torches of hope expecting for what God had promised. They were waiting, fasting and praying and waiting for what God would do through his Messiah. And here they are waiting and they were waiting for this moment and they believed that God was going to fulfill his promise. Simeon believed that the Holy Spirit had spoken and it would be in his day. Both Simeon and Anna Older They had both lived long lives. They had both seen and experienced many things. Both of them had experienced hardship and pain in their lives. We know for certain that Anna herself was a widow and a widow at a very young age who had then lived life singly in the temple as a widow until she was 84 years old. She had experienced pain. She had a low social status in that culture. And both Simeon and Anna remained faithfully and devoted to the Lord and had prepared their hearts as they were ready to embrace when God would bring, when God would do great things by bringing his Messiah. In fact, one of the great things that I noticed in Luke's account about Simeon and Anna, that unlike some of the other characters in the Bible that had to be convinced about Jesus being the Messiah, they did not need any convincing. When Simeon had took Jesus into his arms, he knew this was the child. He knew this was the one. When Anna had seen Jesus, she knew that this was the one. They didn't need angels appearing to them. In fact, there are others in the Christmas story that needed a whole lot of convincing. In fact, they needed angels, and even when the angels came, they ran away afraid. Perhaps Simeon and Anna didn't need angels because at their age, if an angel appeared to them, it might give them a heart attack. I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) What I do know is, is that they had been waiting. These two faith giants had placed their hope and their hope caused them to wait with expectation, to watch, and to listen, and it made them ready to experience when God was delivering His promise. Day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully, and it inspired and fueled the hope that they had inside that God was at work even when they couldn't see it, even when their life had been surrounded by hardship and difficulty and uncertainty, even as they grew older and older and it seemed as if God wasn't answering and God wasn't bringing about His promise, day by day by day, they continued to hope and put their faith and their focus on God. They continued to worship Him and they continued to serve others as they waited for God to bring about His promise. So what lessons can we learn From Simeon and Anna. What lessons can we look at as we look at their lives? What can reveal about the hope that they had and the power of the Holy Spirit that was upon their lives? And how do we apply it to our lives? I wanna give you three truths today about hope. First of all, hope sees beyond. Hope sees beyond. Many of the others had an angel appear to them, again, a heavenly announcement that maybe caught them off guard. And, uh, and, and yet these two faith-filled giants were waiting and they were watching. You see, hope is the fuel of faith. Hope is the fuel of faith. Hope and dreams, the possibility. Hope is that whisper, just that, that maybe. you've ever said, well, maybe this will happen, maybe this will be, maybe this will come, that's a, that's a seed of hope. Hope is that, that maybe in the cold darkness that catches the flame, it's that flicker of light in the middle of the night, it's that, to look at, at Elijah when Elijah was, was there and he defeated the prophets of Baal and it had not rained and he began to pray for rain, he sent his servant to go and look for rain. Go and look. Do you see anything? Do you see any rain? And he came back the one time and said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah took that hope. He took that little bit, that little bit of cloud that he saw, and he said, get ready because the floodwaters are coming. Get ready because it's about to rain up in here friends, that's what hope is. Hope is that flicker. Hope is that which sees beyond. Hope is that which hangs on to that little flicker, that little flame, that little cloud, that little bit of something that you say, this gives me the hope to see beyond that I can continue on day by day. You see, no matter how bad this year has been, no matter what kinds of problems and struggles that you are facing right now, no matter what kind of darkness and pain, let me encourage you do not abandon hope. Do not abandon hope. In fact, hope is still alive, even in the deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. You see, hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. I want to look over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a wonderful, it's a wonderful chapter that, that Paul begins to, 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 to write about and that encourages us. And, and there's a section that oftentimes gets overlooked, but it begins with this message of hope. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you love that? Then that explains our relationship. When we put our hope in Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We become God's children, and we learn in, in the next few verses what it looks like to walk in God's Spirit as sons and daughters of God, as God fulfills His work and restores creation. But what I want to look at is starting in verse 24. Romans eight twenty-four talks about hope, and it says this, for, this, for in this hope we... Uh, we were saved. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. Notice what it says about hope. It said, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Hope that is seen is no hope. Who hopes for what they already have? Now, let me kind of illustrate this a a fun way. Hope exists before reality comes to pass. So you can hope with all your heart that in my pocket here, I've got a, a $100 bill. You can hope that I've got a $100 bill in my pocket that I might take it out and I might give it to you. You can hope that throughout this whole service. You can hope that there's a $100 bill right here in my pocket and uh, and that you can say, man, I really hope, I expect pastor's gonna pull out that $100 bill. He's gonna give it to me. He's got a $100 bill in his pocket and he's gonna give it to me. He's going to give it to me and if that hundred dollar bill is in my pocket You can hope and you can say you know what i'm going to be a hundred dollars richer if I walk out of the service Sorry guys, if you're watching online Um, You can't hope that because you're not here. So I can't give it to you But those of you that are here you can you can hope that but let me tell you what would happen as soon as I were to give you a hundred dollar bill The hope is gone If I give it to you, the hope is gone. Why? Because you already have it and there's nothing to hope for. Nothing can happen when you already have it. You see, hope precedes our present reality. Hope, by its nature, exists in the uncertainty. Hope exists in the questions. It exists in the doubts. Hope is, is in the unclear sense of what is to come. Hope is that, that willingness and that desire to believe what is beyond our present circumstances. If you already have it, there's no reason to hope. So if you're in a place of uncertainty, if you're in a place of question, if you're in a place of doubt, you're also in a place of hope. You're also in a place of hope. Hope. Hope is something that, that, we, that we hold on to, and it's difficult to grasp sometimes this understanding of hope because it's challenging to continue to believe and to hope and to have faith in something when your present reality tells you that can never happen, that can never come to pass. It's so important to grasp this understanding, you see, because hope must see beyond Hope must see beyond because hope is tied to faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. The challenge is that we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You see, I included a little part of this scripture, verse 26, just the first half of that, when we read earlier, because it it talks about how do we grasp this hope? How do we do this? It says this in verse 26 in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There are times in our present circumstances where we are weak to have hope, we are weak to have faith, we are weak to be able to trust and to see beyond. But you see, that's where we need the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. It's, our, it's the Holy Spirit that begins to work in our lives. That was one of the things that we read about Simeon and Anna. They had the Holy Spirit present in their lives. It was the Holy Spirit that confirmed the hope that gave them the courage to continue to see beyond and to continue to have faith that God God would do what He promised. I believe it's vital to that, that we understand the Holy Spirit, and that leads to the second point that, that God is with us here, now and always. You see, the fact that God is with us, there is no uncertainty in that. God knows your pain. God knows your challenges. God knows the struggles. He knows what your 2020 has been like. He's not surprised by the coronavirus, by COVID-19. He's not surprised by the fear. He's not surprised when you lost your job. He's not surprised when when your family relationships were suddenly strained. He's not surprised when your employer said, I'm sorry, I've got no more work for you. God has not, he has not been been caught by surprise in all of this. Just like he's not surprised if you received a diagnosis that you didn't expect. God's not surprised by that. In the midst of the uncertainty, God's not surprised when you got a call in the middle of the night that literally broke your heart or shattered your world. Why? Because God sees you and because God is with us. See, one of the names given to Jesus that I talked about is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God is not some far-off being. He's not somebody who just created the world and then decided to just sit down somewhere with his feet up and just watch and say, I wonder how it's all going to go. He didn't do that. He got involved by sending his son Jesus who left heaven to come to earth who left heaven to be present with us and left behind his holy spirit who helps us in our weaknesses to be with us. God doesn't dangle hope before us like a carrot. He doesn't dangle it out there like a carrot and say, "Oh, here it is. Oh, it's just out of your reach. Ha ha, here it is. Go ahead and reach. Oh, I'm sorry, I pulled it away again." He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. In fact, he infuses us from within. It's a hope that is fanned by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and I when we receive Christ as our Savior and that is with us and helps us in our weaknesses. Even in the lowest circumstances, even in our deepest pain, even when the faintest gleam of hope seems so far away and so impossible, let me tell you something, God is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. When you feel too weak to carry on, when you feel too weak to continue to have your grasp, that's when you call out and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. And that is when God who is with you will continue to infuse you with hope and power to hold on for another day his spirit reminds us of God's faithfulness and his promises reminds us of the promises in his word and the reminders of all that he has done for us and all that he promises to do again we see the example with Simeon when he made this declaration after seeing Jesus in Luke two twenty nine and 30. Sovereign Lord, you have promised. You now may dismiss, you have, excuse me, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon had clung on to the promises of God and when he recognized Jesus, he declared, God, you have done what you have promised. That's the hope that we have, that God does what he promises to do. God keeps His Word. He keeps His Word and it's His Holy Spirit that reminds us of His Word. How many times have there been times where I've read the Bible and I didn't spend time memorizing a passage of Scripture, I didn't put it on little cards and memorize it, but somehow in a moment when I needed it most, the Holy Spirit brought to mind the promises or the verse in God's Word that was just, the, just what I needed in that moment. Or I picked up a devotional and, and I began to read a devotional or it came through my inbox and my email and all of a sudden what I needed in that moment was what the Holy Spirit was revealing through that word that lifted my spirit and gave me hope for another day. Anybody ever experienced that before? Or is that just me? that just timely, just, just so happened, just coincidentally I just happened to come across the very scripture or the very verse or the very promise that I needed in God's word that inspired me not to give up. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit. That is God present with us. In fact, Emmanuel, God with us, has promised us throughout history that God is with us. Isaiah chapter 43, probably one of my favorite verses, says this, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you or called you by name. You are mine. Man, we could just stop right there. I preached a whole message on that. You are mine. God says you are mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, look at this, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You know what I see in that verse about the waters and the rivers and the fire? It says when you pass through, when you pass through, when you walk through, through it doesn't say i'm gonna keep you from it it doesn't say you'll never have rivers that come you'll never have waters that come you'll never have fire that come it doesn't say that but what it does say is this you will pass through and i will be with you you will pass through and i will be with you you see that's the hope of having god with us he says you are mine you'll not be burned by the fire and you're not gonna drown just know that i am with you and you are passing through you are not stuck. You are passing through. You are not alone. I will be with you. And it says this do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear that Lake County's in purple. Be wise, but do not fear. For I am with you. I am with you. I have called you my name. You are mine. Thirdly, hope inspires us to carry on. I've been, preaching about it because it's really what's in my heart this morning i want to look at romans chapter 5 for a moment the apostle paul talks about a cycle of hope like this starting in verse 2 we boast in the hope of the glory of god not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance suffering has a purpose produces perseverance perseverance character character hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us do you see that The suffering has a purpose. There's a purpose. It develops in us perseverance and perseverance develops in us character and character inspires in us hope and that hope does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame. Why not? Because God's love has been poured into our heart through who? The Holy Spirit. Who helps us in our weakness, who helps us when we're struggling to find hope? Hope from God's Spirit doesn't put us to shame, it doesn't let us down, it doesn't disappoint. Instead, it gives us a new and growing strength to see beyond the pain and the confusion that hurts us. It's the empowering hope that reminds me of a great story that I read about in this past year of this season of pandemic called COVID 19. It's about a guy by the name of Captain Tom. Perhaps you've heard of Captain Tom. In all the doom and gloom of this pandemic, Captain Tom rose like a hero. And I'm like a hero, though, at that. In fact, his name was Tom Moore. Before he was Captain Sir Tom Moore, he, uh, he was just Tom Moore. But this past year, he has been knighted by the Queen of England because this 100-year-old man singly raised $40 million for the British health care system by walking 100 laps around his garden. Tom Moore is 100 years old. 100 years old, and he walked 100 laps around his garden. So 100 laps for 100 years of his life. And it started as a challenge from his son-in-law. His son-in-law challenged him that he would donate $1 per lap, or technically in in England terms, one pound. (laughs) One pound per lap per lap. And it went viral, and his daughter posted the campaign on an online charity site, and the news quickly spread, and suddenly this World War II veteran, gripping his walker and wearing a navy blue blazer that, that, uh, that had all of his military medals, began walking around his garden and became a national hero and an inspiration. 100 years old. And this is what Tom told reporters He said, I want to travel. After the pandemic's over, I want to travel the world. 100 years old, I want to travel the world. I want to have that kind of, I want to feel like that at 100 years old. I want to have that kind of outlook, right? I want to travel the world when this pandemic subsides. What a message of hope. But listen to what he told reporters. Listen to what he told the reporter about his experience. He said this. He said, the first step was the hardest. After that, I was going to, I got the swing of it, and I kept on going. He said, the first step was the hardest, you know, when it comes to hope, the first step is the hardest. When it comes to hope, the first step is always the hardest. It's so true of so many things. It's the hardest. And sometimes when, when life has left us disappointed, when, when our eyes are filled with tears and we need just a, a spark of hope, oftentimes it's that first step of hope that is the hardest, that first step of faith just to believe that's the hardest. It's the hardest just to do that. Once we, once we take that first step, the rest begins to fall into place. It's that, it's that first step that, 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 that gets us, that first grasp of His hand of hope. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Sometimes it's that, that first step that is the hardest to take. When we receive the promise of hope of God's Word, that's when we find new strength. That's when we see that our burdens begin to take a backseat to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When we accept the power of hope granted to us by the Holy Spirit, that's when we find new inspiration in God's Word. When we focus on the power embodied in the birth in the life, in the death, in the resurrection, and the return of Jesus Christ, we find that there is a new step of hope that reminds us that once again, we, like they were back then, are in a season of waiting, not for His first coming, for His first coming signals that God keeps His promises. His first coming signals that God keeps His promises, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament, and yet every one of them fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he came gives us hope that as we are waiting in this season of uncertainty as we are waiting in this season where everything seems to be turned around that there is hope because Jesus is coming again Jesus is coming again Jesus is coming again and he's looking for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the lamb he's looking for a redeemed people and he's saying listen you are mine you are past through the waters, but I will be with you. Can you put your hope in me? Can you put your hope in me? Yeah, right now, there seems like the flames are coming up, but I, you are walking through, walking through. You are mine. Will you put your hope in me? Will you put your hope in me? Come on, we're in a season of waiting, but it all begins with a first step, the first step of receiving the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives the first step of renewing the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let me ask you today, hope inspires us, hope encourages us, hope builds upon hope and keeps us no matter what. So let me ask you, what is your next step of hope today? What is your next step of hope today? What's your next step? What's your next step? Perhaps you haven't even placed your faith in Christ yet and you're here and God is saying today, today is the day of salvation. Put your hope in me. Will you take that first step and put your hope in me? Will you take that first step and put your faith in me? Maybe for some of you, it seems like you've wondered, God, where are you? I served you, but where are you? I I don't understand, and I'm down, and I'm discouraged, and I'm really facing a dark time, and maybe your step of hope is to reach out and say, God, I need a renewing of your hope in my life. Father, I need a renewing of your joy. I need a renewing of, of you. Maybe there's a hope step. Maybe God is calling you into ministry today. Maybe he's been inviting you and you say, well, this doesn't make sense. Everything is shaken. And, and God is saying, listen, i am called you. I'm shaking things for a reason because I've got a calling on your life and I want you to take a step of faith into my calling. I want you to take a step of faith into what I'm calling you to do. The season you are in is about to end or is ending. Will you step into the new season that I have for your life today? What's your step of hope today? What's your step of hope today? You see, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes on, not on what is seen, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, that's what we put our hope in, the eternal today, the eternal today. So I want to invite you in this season of admin to take a step of hope, to take a step of hope. Whether you're watching online or you're here in this place, let's bow our heads this morning. And I first want to invite you, does your step of hope need to be putting your faith in Jesus Christ and inviting him to be your Lord and Savior, asking him to forgive you? of your sin today and inviting Jesus into your life today. If that's you and you wanna take that step of hope today to invite Jesus into your life, will you slip up your hand online? Will you just let us know in the comments or email info at painesvilleag.com right now. Will you just slip up your hand? I need to invite Jesus into my life. I need to take that first step of hope today. Hallelujah. Secondly, today you're here and you say, you know, i just have really been struggling and i just need to take a step towards jesus and let him re-infuse me with hope i've been discouraged i've been down and pastor i need prayer today will you slip up your hand today or let us know i need prayer today i'm discouraged i'm down yeah throughout this place and thirdly you say you know i need to take a step into a new season god i know is calling me into a new season And I need to take a step of faith and embrace the new season that God is calling me into. Embrace the newness that God wants to bring, the new step, and it's uncertain. But God is calling me. And you say, I need to take that step of faith today to embrace His call. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, we just thank you. I pray hope and healing right now. Hope there were some, Lord, that just express today that father they're experiencing disappointment and discouragement and they're struggling i pray right now that you would infuse with your hope and through the power of your holy spirit father i pray you would just infuse with hope you would be the lifter of our heads jesus we ask you again forgive us of our sin and cleanse us and come into our lives today we invite you holy spirit into our lives today we invite you jesus into our lives we ask for your hope and fuse us with hope for those, Lord, that you're calling to a new step. I just pray, God, for, the, for just the hope and the faith to trust you, to trust you and to take the next step of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.